John 14, verse 15 to 31, NIV. If you love me, keep my commands. It's as simple as that. Those who love me, keep my commands. So for me, that's the test of saying you love God, right? Each one of us can just come up, oh, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, I love the Lord. But, you know, in the spirit realm, nobody's going to take your word for it. I mean, even in the physical realm, you guys have all experienced it. Somebody will come to you and just tell you, oh, they love you. Oh, you're so amazing. They'll tell you all the greatest things that you want to hear. Even the ones that you don't expect to hear, they'll tell you wonderful things. And it won't be up to two weeks. They'll change. That's humans for you. So it's much more than words in the kingdom of God. It's not about you saying you love the Lord. The standard in the spirit realm is very clear. If you love the Lord, you obey what he says. It's that easy. It's how you work out your obedience to God that shows you love him. It's not what you say. And that's why we have things like actions speak louder than words. So in the same vein, if I say I hate the devil, but yet I'm doing the things the devil commands or the devil wants, then I love the devil then. Because your affinity to any of the kingdoms is what propels you. Your actions are motivated by the kingdom you are attracted to, the kingdom you love. That's why scripture says things like set your affection. You set your affections above where you are seated with God. So even when there's an attraction coming from the other kingdom, your affection is elsewhere. It's just like when you fall in love. I mean, this day is strange. You watch things like The Bachelor. People are like, oh, I'm in love with three persons. I'm like, how is that even possible? But they say it's possible. But in this context, when you fall in love, you are so captivated by that person that you're not entertaining any other suitors. You are done because you found the love of your life. And so you begin to work your life out with that person that you have found. It's the same thing with the Lord. The moment you say that you are part of his kingdom, that you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he became the object of your affection. The moment you made up your mind that you're going to love this one God and only him will you serve, then your service towards him is based off of his comments, is based off of what he says. That is what propels you just to do what pleases him. So you think again, when you say you love God, you have an assessment. Is my love based on words or is it based on actions? And the more I set my affection in that kingdom, the more I will reveal that kingdom here on earth. Because you and I are here because we are to reveal a kingdom. Which kingdom have we chosen to reveal while we're here? Yes, we have things to do. But I promise you, in every of those things you're doing, you are meant to reveal God's kingdom in each area. So think again. Do I love God? Whose commands am I obeying? Whose will am I doing here? What thoughts makes me jump up and get excited? You know, sometimes you have that quick 30 minutes. You're going to read the Bible and there's just this joy that comes up in your heart. You're so excited that, yes, I'm going to get 30 minutes to spend time in Bible study. And just like Leticia, Wednesdays are the best, right? There's that yep. excitement, yes. <laughs> there's that excitement that comes with it. What kingdom stirs you up? 
So let's get very practical with our faith because for other people, is that Beyonce concert that is over $1,000. That's what gets them really excited. For other people, is that Friday night at the bar. And these are Christians and we're not condemning. We are making you access your life based on Christ Jesus. What he said I place emphasis on what Jesus Christ says because we call ourselves Christians. We are named after this leader, and this leader tells us something. We must take that thing to heart because we profess to be his followers. And yet we listen to Sister A and Sister B and Pastor this and Prophet that and Apostle that, much more than what this God we have chosen is saying. But these are his very words. If whatever we are doing does not meet up to the standard of his commands, then I promise you we do not love him. That is what he says. Next verse, please. Verse 15. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Forever. So what intrigued me, especially with that verse, was when we look at him talk about the advocate in the context of the courts of heaven. He's telling us in this very verse that not only do we have Jesus advocating for us, we also have the Holy Spirit advocating for us. And he will ask the Father for us to have this advocate who will be with us forever. Never once will he leave us. He asked the Father for another advocate. That means not Jesus alone, now the Holy Spirit has to be there too for us. And we think we're alone because we can't see into the spirit realm. That's why Paul tells us in Ephesians, he prayed and said that the eyes of our understanding will be open, that we will know the height, the width, the depth of God's love for us. Jesus came and dwelt amongst us and he knew that as he's leaving, he was going to send the third person of the Trinity to be with us. And he says forever. So next verse, please. Verse 17, the spirit of truth. The word cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. In you. In you. Okay, this verse, we're really going to break it down. Wow, Holy Spirit, help us. I want to bring the reality of what we have in us. Because we don't see who we have in us, we look down on ourselves, we trivialize our call, we just go through the motions. When things hit us, we feel as though we are left alone to roast. That is the lie of the enemy. There is someone that has been given to us. As a result of the coming of the Savior, the birth, the baptism, the whole process of being a human, getting to crucifixion and resurrection, when that mighty power of Holy Spirit came into the body of Jesus, the mighty Holy Spirit began to dwell in men. And I want to make us understand that he is speaking to these people before Pentecost. And he's saying the Holy Spirit lives in them. He's already in them. This was before he was crucified. This was before he died and resurrected. He was telling them that the Holy Spirit already dwelt in them. So by this, I want to say anything that tells you that, oh, I'm not speaking in tongues, so I don't have the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm not expressing a gift, so I don't have the Holy Spirit. It's a deception from the enemy. Before Jesus even died, he said the Holy Spirit lives in you forever. 
Once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, they were followers of Jesus. They had made the choice that they were people whose authority was Jesus Christ. Automatically, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit came into them and made their dwelling. So you can't accept Jesus and not have the Holy Spirit. You accept Jesus, you get the full package. The Trinity, they make their home in you. And further down that chapter and throughout John, you see how Jesus prayed for them and said that him and his father will come and sup with them. The spirit that dwells in you is what propels you. So for every one of us, we get to choose which kingdom we believe and want to follow. Because it's either you have the Holy Spirit or you have the spirit of the enemy. When he was with them, he was present and helping them and advocating for them. But now that he was going to leave physically, the Holy Spirit was going to be in them. So it's the spirit in you that propels the cause you pursue. What is the cause you pursue? What are you looking at? What instigates your responses? It is the spirit in you. There is a spirit in each man. And it is that spirit in that man that propels him. So in every action you take and in every course you pursue, what is the spirit that propels you? You know what stood out to me when he said that the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him. The world cannot accept the spirit of truth. They don't have that ability because they don't belong to the kingdom of God. They've not chosen Jesus as their Lord. So Holy Spirit is not in them. This is where your spirit dwells. So this is your estate, your earthly abode. Their earthly abode cannot house Holy Spirit. They cannot understand Holy Spirit. They cannot comprehend how he moves at all. That ability is not in them, completely not in them. And so I want to make you understand that there are things that come from your kingdom, the kingdom you've chosen that other people cannot receive. That is the uniqueness of this kingdom you belong to. And Jesus Christ made it very clear that they can't even understand. They can't even accept. It's a mystery to them. Matthew 13, 10 to 11, the followers came to Jesus and asked, why do you use parables to teach the people? And Jesus answered, you have been chosen to know and understand the secrets, the mysteries about the kingdom of heaven, but to others it is not been given. They cannot know the secrets. Other translations say, to you it has been given to understand the mysteries. So when you became part of this kingdom, the ability to understand the mysteries were given to you in your spirit that calls out to his spirit. This Holy Spirit quickens within you to comprehend the mysteries of the kingdom you belong to. And so they can't receive it, they can't accept it because to them it hasn't been given. Their estates cannot house Holy Spirit. What that tells me is that you actually became a different person when you began to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. When you began to desire the things of the kingdom. When you began to obey the commands of the Lord. You actually became a different person because what you can understand now, they can't understand. What you can receive, they can't receive. Can you imagine somebody shows up in this Bible study and begins to give us gifts? And some of us are just like, I can't, I, I can't receive the gift. There's no ability to receive the gift. 
So how come you have the ability to receive the gift? You must be very special. And that's the specialness I'm trying to draw out of you so that you don't trivialize who you have become with the ability to have the Spirit of God inside of you, guiding you, leading you constantly with you forever through the thick, through the thin, through the pain, through the highs, through the lows, all of it. He is constant with you. But not everybody has what you've got. Not everybody has what you've got and they can't even conceive what you've got.